if you don't have black women that are rising through your ranks, you're fucking up. It's time for Arrested DevOps, the podcast that helps you achieve understanding, develop good practices, and operate your team and organization for maximum DevOps awesomeness. I'm Matt Stratton. And by the way, I'm exceedingly proud of that intro, and I really hope that someone has figured out that there's a little clever bit to it. I don't know if anybody in the last six years have figured it out, but anyway, that's not part of the normal intro, but I'm just talking. Anyway, we have a super great show for you today that's not about our intro. Before we get into that, Let's have a word from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by CircleCI. Designed for modern software teams, CircleCI's continuous integration and delivery platform helps developers push code with confidence. Trusted by thousands of companies, from four-person startups to Fortune 500 businesses, CircleCI helps teams take their software from idea to delivery quickly, safely, and at scale. Visit ArrestedDevOps.com slash CircleCI to learn why high-performing DevOps teams use CircleCI to automate and accelerate their CI-CD pipelines. Joining me today is the one, the only, Tim Banks. Tim, welcome to uh, Arrested DevOps. I'm I'm super happy to have you on tonight. Uh, I'm happy to be here, Matt. This Friday of November. Oh, gosh. Friday, Friday the 13th the, a day. Friday the 13th. Let's pretend this is a metaphor. It really isn't. This is just something I want to talk about. But there's been a little bit of uh, sauciness, shall we say, no pun intended, uh, on DevOps Twitter in the last couple of days about, of all things, Chile. And I mean, Chile is important, right? It's really important. And, 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 and there, there, is a, there's, there are metaphors. And I'm going to talk about it and then we'll bring it back and I'll tell you how but you know I'm big into chili like big in the chili like you know like it's, it's like it's like tech jujitsu and chili right I have I don't have a recipe for chili right because I can't I can't speak it like I have to make it you know so you have you got a way of doing things you got ingredients and just like you know like my old grandmother would make tortillas or something like that like i don't know the recipe like i couldn't write it down but you just make it because but you, you know, could you could show me but you couldn't oh, tell me yeah yeah and it may have to kill you afterwards but, but that's, that's okay like you know you'll at least know well there's parts when you would just be like turn around you can't see this yeah part. yeah there's I, you'll have an nda for sure um on the on the chili but so you know you start with chili has basically two ingredients it's got meat and it's got heat that's it no beans right no spaghetti no what, what cinnamon buns what are those northerners put on stuff like that I, like, yeah i mean somebody was talking about cincinnati chili over spaghetti and i was just like it's a thing and you know I mean, I'll tell you something. So very confused about this. So I went to visit a friend of mine out in LA years ago, and he took me to this well-known divey chili lunch counter that's like across the street from a bunch of studios. It's like well-known is where, you know, a bunch of studio people like to eat and all this stuff. And it's like part of LA. And he told me, he's like, they have all the different ways you can get it. And he introduces me to the guy behind the counter. And he's like, oh, this is my friend, Matt from Chicago. He goes, oh, you're from Chicago. I know how you want it. And he gives it to me without beans, which was good. But 
a certain level of spice and over spaghetti. And I'm like, I've lived in Chicago my whole life. And before I ever went to Cincinnati, I never saw chili over spaghetti. So like, I don't know why this guy thought that was a Chicago thing, but I, I will inform you. It is most definitely not a Chicago thing. I, I would be horrified if that had happened to me. I got to be honest. Like I'm just trying to imagine. Right. So in Austin, we have the Texas chili parlor, right. And they've got, you know, various sorts of food, but I mean, it's Texas. Like, you may get shot if you put chili over spaghetti here, right? It's like a New York City kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know? see, I'm glad you remember that. But, you know, you get, who are the cats saying, like, oh, chili without beans goes on hot dogs? I'm like, well, yes, because it's chili, right? Chili, and then it would be a chili dog, or else it would be a bean stew dog. Yeah, right? And so, so like, I get it. It's 2020, and however you want to identify is how you want to identify. I respect that, right? But chili is sacred. You can't put beans in chili. So you can't put like canned tomatoes in chili. It's not, I mean, I'm sure it's tasty, right? I've seen, I've had tasted it. It's fine. It's just, it's just not chili. That's all. No, no, you have to have hurt feelings about it. Like there are people that are like serious discussions, like 20, 30, 40 reply. I'm like, bro, look, man, it's not, it's not that big a deal. You can just be wrong. It's okay. I have more firmly held opinions about chili than I have about just, just about anything else in the world. Right? And how much heat does it have to have? You know, I'm not like a super duper spicy guy. I'm working on it, you know, and like my kids don't eat super spicy, but we want to do it right. So like, it's got to have heat, but it doesn't have to be like 10 alarm, like melt your eyeballs off kind of to still be considered chili. So my average public consumption, what I call gringo fied chili, right, is to be honest, pretty fucking hot. It's going to be pretty hot. So if you like, if you're not into spicy food at all, you shouldn't eat it. If you like spicy food, you should eat it and it'll be hot. Now, the way I like it when I'm making it for me or some other people that are like really into chili and hot foods, it's hot. Like 80 to 140,000 Scoville's hot. Hot. And so like, but it's just like hydrated period chilies, right? It's just a matter of how far I reduce the base, right? It's how hot it gets. Add a little, but add a little other chilies in it, but I don't use habaneros, right? Because they taste gross. I don't use extracts. I don't use ghost peppers or anything. Like, this. Oh, like the thing with chili is it has to taste good. You, what you have to do is you have to make the horrifying decision of, do I take another bite because it tastes so good? Or do I stop because it's going to burn my face off five seconds after I get it in my mouth? It, and that's, that's how you know it's good chili when you see people debating with themselves on whether or not to have that other bite. I am dying to see how you're going to tie this back to to the metaphor so because i feel so, like that's yeah we're i think we've 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 pulled the listeners about as far as we can no no i like that everybody has a way of making chili everyone's gonna say this is the way you make chili what does devops mean at an organization is it a mechanism for how you do work or is it a group of people that write automation and infrastructure code. Right. Is it, Those is, are two different answers to that question. Is it a job title? Is it a methodology? Is it a culture? Is it, you know, a group? And the answer is it all depends, right? It depends on where you are. DevOps engineer, DevOps team or group can be, you can have the same person with the same title. They're going to have 20 different job responsibilities depending on where you go, right? And it's like that with, you know, I mentioned on, on another podcast with a certain person with, with, with whom you have a culinary rivalry um, about how, how the TAMs, right? The TAM role is different 
based on org to org. And DevOps is the same. And so, you know, you go to region to region to region, Chile means one thing and Chile can mean something else somewhere else, right? I mean, it's really only Chile with the way Texans define it as having no beans, no tomatoes and just, you know, right. but so the metaphor falls apart because there really is one definition. Right, While right, there is right. only one, no definition of DevOps, yeah. there is a definition of Chile. So, you know, yeah. But but you know you go to you go to place to place and we're going to call it different and then even within the region how how their grandma made it or how their parents made it or how they're used to having it right everyone puts their own spin on things right and so that's the same thing it is DevOps and I think more importantly it's the same thing within you know any kind of role right like what is a software engineer supposed to know and and I think that's true and I think it's not just within tech and you talked about with like a TAM role but I mean what a CIO does right. is different. You know, like we, we think there's standardization of title, but really it's what does it mean within your organization? I'll give you the my favorite example ever. You ever work at a bank, Tim? You know uh, what your title is at a bank? Everybody at the bank is a vice president. Uh, I was a sysadmin at J.P. Morgan Chase, and my title was vice president. In fact, actually, if your title is vice president and you work at a bank, that actually means you are not in leadership because leadership does not have a vice president title. They have a different title. I had to. I had a, a friend of mine who worked, basically had the same job I did, which was a sysadmin. Another friend, you know, we were going through her Match.com, and he came up in her Match.com, and I was looking at it, and he said that he was a vice president of a large financial institution, and I was. It was very much that Futurama, like you are technically correct, <laughs> sir. But I was like, anybody who's going to want to date you based on that is going to be very disappointed when they find out what your actual job <laughs> is. <laughs> Not there's anything wrong with that job, but. I think the 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 funny part is, is that you know you you are this title or you are this role at this company and then okay I want to go to another company same title same role even same level if they use the L's or whatever and it's a completely different set of responsibilities either the set of responsibilities is so far different from what I've been doing right that I don't even know if I should go for it, or you realize like I've been doing all this stuff all this time and they've been paying me this much and I go to another org and I'd be you know you know, level higher or whatever, or senior or whatever. And so you have that kind of disparity and you're never going to standardize it or anything like that. But I really do think just for, for leveling so people can know where they are, you know, it'd be nice to have some kind of thing, you know, like they have like journeymen or, or something like that in, in a lot of, a lot of trades, right? A lot of craftsmen have to have these things where you have to know this is in this, we call that. It would be kind of nice to have something like that in tech. But then you have to have some type of, you have to have something like a union. You'd have to, have, yeah, I mean, there's got to be some, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, by the way, yeah, right. <laughs> but I'm saying like, as long as we don't have things like that, all that stuff you're talking about, about having the different levels, like an electrician, for example, mm -hmm. that's regulated by unions, It is, you know, and certification boards, which are all things that we probably really could use in our industry. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and, and to the extent that we are going to call ourselves engineers, and we should, call ourselves engineers, we should also have those standards. We should also have that, you know, you know, whether it's a union or whether it's some kind of certification standardization process, you know, IEEE or whatever, we should probably think about doing that. It allows us to circumvent a lot of the problems we have, I think, with tech as far as how to treat people, um, how to get paid. So definitely a lot of issues with inclusion or, or diversity when it comes to paying people what they deserve to get paid. Um, and I think we also then tend to actually make the case that people can train on this in school 
high school and, and, and community college or other boot camp style of things and get into this, right? Because, you know, you don't have to have a bachelor's degree or a master's degree or a doctorate to be a master electrician. And they do work that people's lives depend on. That process of going through and defining these things, I think, lowers a lot of barriers and makes it a lot less arbitrary, especially when when you get some cultures and some toxic assholes that get there in an interview and like, well, I'm going to just you on trivia because this is what I think I had to know. And I want you to do an inverted binary tree, even though you're never actually going to do one in real life for this role, junior entry level thing. And we want you to do, you know, four hour whiteboarding interview. Like, no, we shouldn't have that to turn a, a very long story into a slightly less long story. I do think that it, you're right. It is time for us to maybe think about these things, whether it's unionization or whether it's uh, some kind of certification board, but certainly we do need to standardize. I think we need to standardize skill sets. I think we need to standardize maybe even some practices in where I think this pays the biggest benefits, not with big companies, right? Because they're pretty standard, whether they want to, you know, whether, whether you want to admit it or not, or whether it's apparent or not, they're pretty much standard as far as what you expect to know. Right. But smaller companies and especially startups, like, you know, you get to a startup and, and I know I'm going on a soapbox here, but, but you just come along for the ride. You get to a startup and they're going to come in here and they're going to expect, you know, this junior person is like, Hey, we're going to want you to work 60 hours this week, 70 hours, 80 hours. Um, you know, you're going to do this thing. We're not going to get any equity, but Hey, you know, you're going to realize my vision. And these are the founders saying that. And I feel like if we have something like, I don't know, a union or some kind of standardized thing, we can say like, you know what? This engineer is going to work uh, uh, over 40 hours. You're going to pay him this much. Otherwise, we're not going to, you know, you're not going to get a certified engineer. All day DevOps yesterday, Kat Cosgrove's talk was all over the place. Awesome. But she talked quite a bit about that, about uh, specifically about like gatekeep. The, the whole talk was about gatekeeping. And to, if I needed to summarize it, but she gave this example of one particular job posting that was actually for a junior engineer. And it was really a description of an entire team. Entire team full of like two seniors and a few juniors and some mid-levels. How does that kind of thing happen? And part of it is because because there is no standard like this is what this job is, right? Like you don't you don't have that where you have a junior electrician have some you know someone's like, Well, I gotta hire a junior electrician. Here's I guess what I think I want them to do. You get this because part of it is the like, well, I want more for less and I I wanna ask for the stars, but I I put on my empathy hat a little bit and I'm like, the people writing these job descriptions are either going to be someone who doesn't completely know the job, which is totally fine. And to, to be that person, or it's probably an engineering, someone who doesn't know how to write job recs either. So you're, you're getting two things together and, and, and somewhere there's a lost in translation. What might've come from the engineering man, the hiring manager as these are all nice to haves suddenly get turned into like the whole description of everything that you might ever do. Cause that's, I think we as engineers, want to be complete. This is what gives us resumes that are 12 pages long. Cause I'm like, you know, as an engineer, I'm like, I have to list every single technology I've ever touched in my life. I mean, I'm telling you, like as when I was a sysadmin, like I had every model pro client that I worked on, on my resume. I don't recommend doing that by the way. Oh, we, we, we had that, that thread. I think was it, was it Emily Freeman that had that thread? And my, yes. My, but my, my resume is four pages long. 
but the other thing that was interesting with Emily's thread, and I responded a certain way, and then I went and I said, no, 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 you got to go look at the question. The question was, because I, I started to qualify it to say like, yes, this is my resume, but also I have been in the industry for 20 plus years. And then her question was, senior and principal folks. I'm like, oh, well, it should apply to everybody then because that is different. Like, I feel like entry level, the rules are a little different because you're trying to, you have to get, and I'd be curious to know how much these like keyword scanner gates still exist. But I know when I was early and mid-level, it, the reason you did put every single, you had to keyword stuff your resume because that was the only way to get to the hiring manager. The recruiter and more often the recruiter software was told, if these 12 words do not appear on the resume, then I don't want to see the person. Right. And that's why you have ProLiant 1850R, you know, or whatever on my resume. And, you know, yeah. I, I think there's there's a lot of validity to what you're saying, especially regarding keywords. I know that they sell the keyword scanners because I still get picked up for stuff like, you know, I haven't touched a Solaris box in decade. But I sure still get stuff that because it's on my resume. It's like, hey, looking for a Solaris admin contract for blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no. I do think when we're talking about, you know, gatekeeping and and I I, I love Kat Cosgrove to death. She's she's brilliant. I haven't had a chance to see her talk, but I, I did catch that that thread. And I think that gatekeeping takes a lot of various forms. So I talked about this uh, the other day. You've got two forms. You got the getting in the door. And then keeping them in the gate, like inside the gate. And so there's there's the gatekeeping that you're going to have when they're screening resumes. There's the gatekeeping they're going to have when they're doing the actual interview process, all up to the all the way up to the point where you sign the offer letter, right? That's one aspect of gatekeeping. Then you're going to have the other gatekeeping, right? Which is, are you going to get promoted? Are you going to get a raise? Are you going to get these reviews? Are you going to get to work on these projects? Are you going to get to these other things internally? So so you look at two things. And a, a lot of companies are doing like their inclusion based on lagging, lagging indicators. Right. And they're going to say, Oh, well, look, we have now, we have hired this many black people. We've hired this many LGBTQ people. We've hired this many women or whatever. Right. And that's really all well and good. But what do your retention numbers look like? What do your promotion numbers look like? How many of these women are you promoting? How many of these black people are you promoting? How many of these LGBTQ people are you promoting? Right. If you don't have, black women that are rising through your ranks, you're fucking up. I'm going to tell you that plain and simple. Like I cannot say that loud enough. If you do not have these brilliant people who are not white cis men rising through your organization, you are fucking it up. And I'm not talking, it's not a pipeline problem, right? You can throw that out. It is not a pipeline problem. What happens is people leave. Right. Even if you get them in there, they leave, they go somewhere else. Right. And the question that I had, I had talked to someone else before is like a good, a good, a good way to gauge, right. Whether you are doing it right in your organization would be to send out an anonymous survey. And in your anonymous survey, you ask if you are LGBTQ or even if you're not, but let's just say you were, would you feel comfortable coming out? to your coworkers, to your leadership. That is one hell of an NPS question. Mm -hmm. and, and it had to be an emphatic yes. Yeah. It's not an emphatic yes, it's well, a fucking no. Well, the funny thing is the reason why I specifically said like NPS, because that's the, I, I've, I talk to my customers a lot about survey data. And I'm like, if you're going to do that and you're going to measure, and I just want to go to that is it's got to be something that to rate highly, there's 
I don't want to say risk, but there's there's skin in the game. And that's why that's why NPS is stuff like recommend to a friend or family. It's not just in general, but something to your you know that's impe- so. I think that's that I, uh, this is me saying I think that's a really powerful and very indicative question because it's not like oh, do you feel like your organization respects this or whatever? But like if you're something I'm, 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 I'm falling apart on the word that I want, but it's like, it's uh it's personal and it's, I don't, I hate to say risk. That's sort of the wrong word, but like, but I mean, is it, is it really wrong? Cause I mean, it is. Yeah. Because it's, it's not something that has to do with like your skill set, right? It's not something to do that has to do with like, you know, your productivity, but it's something that has everything to do with the environment that you have. Right. And the environment that you have is going to lead to everything else. You know, and and that's in four. If you if you if you have an environment where people are nurtured, right? Where people are are can grow, right? And I'm not talking about professionally, I'm talking about personally, where they can spread their roots, where they can really feel safe, where they can really be thriving, you're gonna get productivity. You're gonna get people that grow, you're gonna get professional growth out of that. Right. But if you don't have a spot where people can do that, it's not going to happen. Right. You're going to be chasing your tails, trying to get stuff done. You know, in the meantime, you're going to be doing one of two things. You're going to be getting people in and losing them quickly. Right. Because the place is shitty. Or if you can get good people, you're going to burn them out. Right? And so um, when you do that, right, when you have a place or a place that's not inclusive, right, that's hard for people to be in or you burn them out, they're not going to stay. And so what happens is the lagging indicator is after a year or two or three, right, you're only promoting white men because they're the only ones still there. I'm, I'm trying to not center this on me, but like these are the things I'm curious about and and looking for for how to help. So like I'm a big believer in lending privilege. So Anwan Simmons has a great talk and a great post about lending privilege. And that's something I try to do. Um, I certainly don't do it enough. We could always do more. But one of the things I'm trying to think about is, uh, so you you said, you know, for example, you're like, if we're not promoting black women, right? And then, and it's not a pipeline problem. And be clear that what I'm about to talk about is not me pointing anything towards a pipeline. But if I'm on a team that does not have the diversity that it should have in that it has none, let's say, or it doesn't have, maybe doesn't have women, it doesn't have people of color, and one of the challenges that I've seen, it's very hard to be the first one, right? Oh, and yeah, that's the worst. And that can get very frustrating when you're trying to make a change, when, you, when you, you know the team isn't right. And in fact, the entire team might want that, right? And just doing everything they can, you just have to hire a couple people at a time. So nobody has to, because I don't want somebody to be in that position. They have to feel like they're the pioneer into the, you know, sea of the cishet white dudes. Right. You know, here's the thing. Right. And I think, I think there's, there's two things you got to do. Number one, it's you, you can't hire a junior person to be the only one as, as much as, as much as I want to hire, you know, young marginalized folks, right. You've got to have somebody with some, you know, with longer, longer in the tooth, Right. Who knows how to navigate these things? And the reason for that is because number two is because you have to fix your culture. If you have nothing but white men there, like you're, you're going to have problems in your culture that are going to come up right now that you have people who are not, who are different than what you're used to. Right. When you start being more inclusive and more diverse. So you're going to need somebody with some experience. Next thing you got to do is listen to them. Don't defend what you've been doing. Don't 
tell about, well, it's this way because of this and this and doesn't really mean this. No, just shut up and listen to them. And then once you listen to them and once you work with them and you, and you do the work yourselves to start fixing your culture, then you will find right, that you'll be able to have just a more uh, inclusive culture in general right, within your team. Here's what will happen. When you have a more inclusive culture, you will have more inclusive hiring practices. Full stop. You, what you can't do is go, well, I tried and Tim said he didn't want to be the first person of color on our team. So I guess we can't do it. It's just like, nope, you got to keep trying. That first hire is hard because you're asking so much of that person. Yeah. You're not, right? you're not asking them just to do their job. You're asking them to do their job plus the job of fixing the culture, right? And being a pioneer. That's like three jobs. And that's, that's going to be hard, right? And, and how do you do that? But, but you, obviously, can you pay them for the extra collateral duties they're going to have to do? Maybe. It's going to be hard sell, right? I think you should. If you're being honest, right? I think yeah. you should absolutely should. If you are the first and we're coming in here, not only do you have to do your job, but you also have to help us fix the culture. We should absolutely pay you more because you That's are doing more of a more. job. Yeah. You're doing right. more work. Yeah. Right. There's no question, but sell that to the white guys they're working with. Yeah. That's <laughs> how so you get that Google letter and shit, but it's not, it's not the wrong thing to do. Certainly. And if I would say, if I would give, if I were to give people bonuses for, 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 um, you know, overall improving the company culture outside your job, that's the first people I would do it. I would give is the people who are the first in the end, what they're doing is they're making their, those people are, are who are putting it on the line. They're the, they're the ones who are sacrificing the most. They're the ones that are working the hardest. They're the ones that are saying like, I'm going to go from someplace where maybe I was actually one of many and it was great, right. To come here to be the very first. And I don't know if it's going to work out. I don't know how these people are going to be. Uh, I don't know if they're going to listen to me. And that's the, the worst thing right? Is when you're the first and then you're telling the people the things to do and you get no traction, right? Because then you realize you're a token and that fucking sucks. That's all the stuff that the the people I'm trying to talk to need to hear. Because I think there's, you know, you get the Google letter from the dudes that need to be convinced or won't be convinced that this is a good thing. I think there's, just like we talk a little bit and I may, I may, get myself painted into a corner here. We'll see what happens. When we talk about like a, a, a DevOps transformation or just digital, I hate to say digital transformation, whatever, organizational transformation with all this, it's, it's, it's very interesting to see because like at the very top, people are super into it. And your individual contributors, your chop wood carry water people, they're super into it. And what always stalls a transformation is the frozen middle, right? And so now the frozen middle I'm about to talk to is not quite the same, but it still happens, right? Like on one hand, you can have folks who have a, a very strong passion for DNI. Right. You know, I mean, that's that's the thing. There's people we don't have to reach because like that they have a focus on that. They they do that. Then we've got like assholes like Demore who are just fucked. Right. You know, who don't even understand why this matters. And they're they're on a whole other place and they might be leading our country. That might be a different thing. But what you but then I think what where you have the frozen middle is the people who probably have actually internalized really well the need for diversity and 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 they they have respect for 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 those people being in there and they want those people on their team but then it gets a little hard so i think that's sort of the message is like you know they're going to hear me like yeah i get it tim you're right we need to like not have a bunch of white dudes on my team and 
and it's not, you know, these aren't the people that are saying things like that. That's a token or that, you know, quality goes down when you hire women. Like they're all the people that are going to thumbs up every single tweet saying that we need to hire more women and more black people and everything like that. But then they run into things like, well, but I tried, you know, I made this offer to Tim and he was like, I, I don't want to be the first non-white person on the team. So I can't do it and be like, well, I tried, you know, to be like, yeah, you did. Well, keep trying. You so don't get to be done. Right. Like, <laughs> no. and, and, and I see that I worked for a company once where they had, you know, this whole big push for diversity and inclusion. I'm like, great. You know, yay. Rah, rah, rah. And then it was like, you know, their, their, their wrap up at the, at the all hands are like, well, so it's hard to find, you know, it's like, they kind of like, well, it's hard to find people of color and minorities and we're an international company. And so like, who's a minority here is a minority. Mind you, most of them are in the Northern hemisphere. So minorities here are pretty much the same minorities everywhere in the Northern hemisphere, but I digress. Right. But we'd made great strides in hiring more white women. And I was like, Hmm. Did you though? Did you? Yeah. And so like, and then you pat yourself on the back. All right. Hey, everyone did good job. Great, great job on, on diversity and inclusion. Right. Because it's an easy thing. And the problem is, right. The metric, the things that you measure, right. Are the behaviors you're going to incur. So if you're just saying, Hey, we need to get more diversity and inclusion. That's very vague. And as long as you meet something, get some, get a metric that, that meets a number, you can pat yourself on the back and everyone get their bonus. Inclusion isn't, a, it's, it's hard to, to measure. Or you certainly can't measure it by just the number of people of various ethnicities or, or genders or, or religions or whatever that work for your company. It's not, that's not it. And, you know, maybe you can say how many stay. Maybe you can say what their overall sentiment of those people is with the company as a whole. How many are you promoting? Who's on the fucking board? Would you go so far as to say measuring the number of people of a certain demographic that you hire is monitoring, but understanding the sentiment and their impact is observability? I would absolutely say that because observability is insight. I want to know what's going on inside and the retention and the hiring. That's a lagging indicator, right? You, you know, when you get, when it, that's when you get paged at three o'clock in the morning that something is down because it's already broken. And now you have to jump to fix it. Instead of saying, hey, I noticed that this thing runs a little hot and I'm going to make the changes beforehand before it goes down because I got insight inside of what's going on. Or this process uses too much memory or it takes this thing a long time to, to, to spin up, you know, or I noticed that it keeps throwing out this error. It's fine when it's not under load, but I want to fix it before it actually breaks catastrophically at on like Black Friday. So that's the difference, right? When you say that, oh man, you know, we only have uh, 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 you know, a few marginalized folks. We only have a few people of color. We only have a few like LGBTQ people or a few women or whatever it is. But they haven't quit yet, so we're fine. Are, <laughs> are, are you though? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are they looking? Are they happy? Why aren't you hiring anymore? Are they promoted? Like you know, and if you are, and and so there's a fine balance between like showing too much interest, right? Like they're a project right? Or showing no interest. And that's hard, but that's where empathy comes in, right? That's where having good people managers come in. And that's why having like, that's why it's important to promote people who are good at talking to people. Oh, I was going to say to your point about like not showing too much interest because you won't be a project, but I'm like all these things that we're interested to know about, about that. I would think we'd be interested to know about everybody. (laughs) 
like in general, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, like yeah. it's, it's not like you don't have to just focus and only ask your marginalized employees about mm-hmm. these things. Like you kind of probably want to know that about everyone anyway. True. You know, you so be. you yeah, should have that right. insight into your teams and to your people, to your point about hiring managers that have that ability to have them because you can't, I always like to say, you can't put a Nagios agent on your people, you know, like you, you have to talk to them. You have to think about them. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to, again, why being a manager, being a people leader and actually not even, not even about being a people leader or being a people manager is a very specific kind of skill, Mm -hmm. right? It's, it's the thing, right? It's not a promotion. It's a career change, Yeah, you know, and a lot of things you got to fix. And what I think is, is, has been tech's downfall in inclusion. And we've said this a long time ago is that, you know, people are like, well, just do the job, right? Do the, do type the things on the keyboard, right? That's what your job is about. And that was all it was like, well, it's not. That's that's what I was going to say. That that's, that that's the problem, right? Like there's, yeah, it was like, job is not just, Who's the Typing best code and an editor? Yeah. Who's, who's the best typer, right? Is essentially what they're coming down to. Right. And like, Mavis Deacon type, is the best typer. Like who can, who can, who can, you know, it was, it was the golf, the golf game with, with lines of code, like who can do, you know, and that's yeah. not it. That is absolutely not it. Here's and, and, I, and I, I, I fucking tech is a job. It's a job. It's the way I pay for my house. It's the way I buy food. And I can do, I can do other things and do that. Right. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm good at this job. Right. It suits my personality, but I don't fucking love this. Right. So, so I'm not going to go through a bunch of hoops and I'm not going to go through a bunch of bullshit. Right. To do this job. I am at the point in my career where I can say, Nope, I'm not going to do this. Right. Because I've gone through all the shit to get to this point, but there's a lot of cats out there young bloods in this in this industry who you don't right or they they don't realize what it is and it's not has nothing to do with their ability to type the things nothing to do with their ability to type things right it has to do with the fact they are not made to feel like they matter right like they are people and and there is in the year of our lord 2020 no amount of money you can pay me for me to not to be a whole fucking person all the time can't can't pay me enough fuck that right and and asking these people who are young to have to swallow that up to get this job and we've done it before and it sucks right that's why the attrition numbers were so, were so high for people you know if you, Gina does and we were talking about you know you, I think you remember you're old long enough in a tooth where like people would come in to these gigs and then they'd wash the fuck out within a year or two like out of tech completely Right. And one of the things we're doing now with the pandemic, like we're losing so many women, we're losing so fucking many women in tech, right. In all industries in general, but we're losing them in tech in places where we should be accommodating people. Right. But we're not being inclusive. We're not being inclusive to to women. We're not being inclusive to, to mothers, especially who are dealing with their kids being home from school. Right. And fathers too, right. Fathers too, but fathers aren't leaving the workforce like women are. And that's a fucking disgrace is a fucking disgrace. And we should not be losing people because we're not taking care of them because we're not being inclusive and we're not accommodating the, the realities of 2020. Right. And that's, that's, that's not a technical problem, right? That's not an engineering problem. That's a people problem. 
And the longer, but, but it's, it's just an amplification of the problems that we've had in the past. And that's that we haven't been taking care of our people. We've been expecting these motherfuckers to sit here all day long and play ping pong and eat bullshit from the snack center because we want them to work 16 hours a day. And that is the opposite of the culture that we should have been promoting, but we glorify that shit. Right. And the VCs that, 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 that try to push that, what do we do? We turn them into hundred millionaires. We turn them into billionaires. And no one ever learns the lesson. And the people that were doing work, right? Maybe we, maybe we break them off a little bit for their equity, but we're not taking care of them like we should. And that's what's coming to light, right? That is why we are, that, that, that needs to be fixed, right? Because if we lose the number of women that we're losing right now, the industry will never recover. We will never recover what we could have been, right? These are brilliant fucking people that we are losing. And it is unforgivable that we're letting it happen. Here's the thing that, 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 that strikes to me is when we think about the visible ones that we're losing, they're, they're the ones who are telling us about it. And if you're telling, like, to be frank, they're probably a little more senior, right? When this, and that's, and that by no means am I saying that we're only losing women who are, but I'm saying if we're losing that, because the thing is in this pandemic time, when everything's kind of fucked, you know, who's actually handling this pretty well is those of us that have had the 20 years of experience and we're in some kind of bullshitty job where we can just fuck around anyway. We're not actually slinging code and, you know, moving pods around and shit. But if you're someone who does chop wood and carry water, it's even hard, right? Like, like that's sort of, you know, and so I guess that's what I'm getting at is I'm just saying, like, I, I think there's a lot of invisible loss that's happening you're, too. You're talking about the walking wounded, right? Mm-hmm. The people that are killing themselves because they can't leave, right? Because their, their partner lost their job, right? Or because they need the health insurance or because all the other fucking societal problems that we don't support women that we have. And so they're just sucking it up. And again, that's bullshit that they should even have to make that choice that we, that they're, these people are grinding themselves into the dirt because we aren't taking care of them. And it's not like these companies don't have the fucking money. It's not like they don't have the money. God, we have the money, right? There is so much money flowing through tech, but, but it's not, this is not going to be my rant against capitalism, right? Because I will say that for a different topic, right? But I will simply say that. If you are a hiring manager and you have a woman who's going to leave the industry or leave the job or quit because she has to take care of her family, you fucked up. You fucked up. She didn't fuck up, right? You have fucked up and you need to figure out how to fix it before you lose anybody else. And you're right. It can, and the thing is, this is the, the problem with the audio thing is listeners are not seeing me continually nodding my head to everything Tim is saying. You know, you can maybe hear my brain sloshing around if I wasn't on mute. But to your thing about like, it's like you say, it's like the companies, it's not that we don't have the money. Right. And we do. And there are companies that are doing this. And I'm not saying that means it's okay, but I mean, that's just even more evidence of like, yeah, it's fine. You know, I know organizations that have said, especially for people who are in variable comp, when things were bad, they're like, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to take care of you, you know, because people who, who work in that kind of a model, whether it's tech or not, right? Like when shit's downturned, if most of your income comes from commission, 
that's that's very real. Like these commission checks are not like so you can go buy a yacht. They're so you can pay your mortgage, right? You know. Um, but then what I'm saying is like so you can do things like that. And I know organizations that have said like we're going to dial things back. We're going to take care of people. Are, are any of them doing enough? Probably not. But but even the ones that are doing a little bit are doing streets ahead of the ones that are doing nothing. And you know what? The ones that are even doing a little bit, they're doing fine, right? Y'all got plenty of cash. So maybe stop. Don't worry about having your hyper growth quarter. Just like chill for a bit. Cause okay. I'll give this is, this is a metaphor, right? So there was a lot of concern, you know, with, with going back to school with the kids. So I have elementary school age kids. And so, you know, my ex was kind of like, you know, she's like, I'm a little just concerned about like, you know, if we're going to be doing remote learning, they're not going to learn as much or whatever. Like, are they going to get behind them? Like, you mean like the entire country, like every other kid their age is having a shitty year of learning. Nobody's learning anything this year. So it's fine. Yes. Will they not know as much as they might have? Sure. But so is every other kid they're competing with. So you know what? It's probably okay. Same thing. Okay. Maybe you don't get to have your like, Hey, investors, look, we hockey stick through the fucking ceiling this year, but nobody else did either. So maybe you just like maintain, Right. You know, maybe it's okay that you only, you know, sign 300% more customers instead of a thousand percent more customers. Like, just reset your expectations and invest that in your people. It, it, oh, yeah. It's okay. And you know what? You don't have a fiduciary responsibility to your stockholders to make them insanely rich, despite what you think. Right. You ain't, actually ain't, don't. Ain't none of these VCs losing their houses, right? Not a one. Not a one. They have the money, right? And it's funny because they talk about investors like this is the time where you invest, invest. You're going to dump some of those copious amounts of money that you have into the people who need the help right now so that they will be in a good spot on the other side of this to make you a little bit richer. You know, and, and that's that's kind of what it needs to do. And I'm not talking, like I said, this is, I'm not talking about, you know, the government intervening or anything like that. I'm talking about you, motherfucker, with the big wallet. You know, reach into it and help some of these people. Because that's how you can express the resilience that your organization has. You know, having the the only way that organizations and companies and groups rebound against like disruptions that aren't modeled like a fucking pandemic is through adaptive capacity and you can't build it. You can't create tech to do that. It's the people and the people are what save your goddamn company every time shit gets fucked up. So every time, you know, and they're going to keep doing it, but you can't keep pushing. Like you, you, you have to build up that adaptive capacity. Like you said, you invest it because it's banked. Right. Mm-hmm. So that that's the reason that they can flex and can be able to handle this stuff and have that yeah. resilience. And it can't just be during the bad times. Right. That's the whole thing. Right. Obviously, the bad times when you have to when you have to open up the grain stores and you know and feed the people. Right. But you need to be. That's why you have that granary and civilization, right? Like that's why <laughs> yeah, you, you know yeah, if right. you want your city to you know grow, you gotta you gotta build a granary, right? So yeah. you can yeah. But you have to put into it when the times are good. You know what I'm saying? You have to take care of your people all the time, all the time. And then when times are bad, it becomes even more important to take care of your people, right? And here's the thing, right? If if you're one of these rich VCs and it costs you your business, like, oh, you got a business, you know, like you, you lose, like, 
you're out your $10 million home and you got to sell it and buy an $8 million home, right? Um, my, my heart aches for you. But you know, your junior dev who's drowning in student loan debt, trying to share an apartment with three other people, that your, your, one, your one mortgage payment would change his whole life or change their whole life, I should say. And that's what I'm kind of talking about. Like, it's not going to take much from the people that are, that are holding the purse strings in these companies to make a huge difference for the people that work for them. And from a very calculating perspective, here's the thing. You talk about the walking wounded. You talk about the people that are dealing with the bullshit right now because they have to, because it's the only way to be able to buy groceries, right? Is to put up with this shit. But you know what? Things are going to change and there is going to be the opportunity. And all all those people that you were, that you treat, you know, kind of push this way, they're going to just piece the fuck out of your company as soon as they can. can. The fucking nanosecond they can. It's the, the bar is so low for treating people well during this pandemic. That like, if you just did anything that would be a rounding error to your CFO, you would, you would get so much more, uh, I, I don't want to say loyalty, but like people would be like, wow, this company took care of me and people would know that. And you want that NPS score that says, would you recommend this place for friend and family? That is the kind of thing. And what we're trying to say here for you know all you big VC executives that listen to Rest DevOps, because I'm sure there's a few of you, is it takes so damn little like you, you, because the bar is so low, right? Like that's the beautiful thing. Just be a fairly decent human, not even a good one, just do a little bit. And you will look like motherfucking Teresa, right? They will be like, holy shit. Can you believe what that company did? They are like the best in the world, right? And really you were just slightly less bad than anybody else. <laughs> like it isn't even that hard, you know? And, and I think when we're in these opportunities where these VCs are like, oh, well, not even VCs, right? But let me back off from that for a second. You have companies, right, where they're not paying rent no more. They're not paying on a lease anymore, right, because everyone's working remote. They're not paying commuter benefits anymore. They're not paying for parking, right? Their operating, their operating expenses have gone down. And so what do you do? You know, the good ones at least are throwing their employees a little something to work at home, you know, stipend or whatever, internet, electricity, whatever. But you could probably do more, right? Because you're expecting more from them. You're expecting more. a lot of these cats have had pay cuts, right? A lot of them, maybe they have layoffs. Maybe they're going to forego the annual bonus. Maybe they're going to forego the annual raise, right? And that's a bitter pill to swallow for people that, that aren't, you know, that, that have a family that are, that are middle class or lower middle class, even some of the upper middle class people that, that were expecting something and then now it's changed, right? But when they're doing that, working on pay cuts, dealing with the kids, you know, like that. And you still have a fucking yacht. You still got this gigantic home. You're still taking fucking vacations or, you know, you're like, Oh, you know, we had to, we had to let go of the housekeeper because we're fucking tightening our budget, you know, tighten, tighten the belt around here. You know, there's, there's probably a little more you can do. Right. And, and maybe it's symbolic, right? Maybe it's symbolic, but that fucking matters to some people. Right. If you can just say, hey, you know what we're going to do? I'm going to, you know, we can do what I can. I'm going to throw everybody $1,000 in their check, right? You got 100 people, that's $100,000, right, in your company, right? Most of these VCs, that is literally a rounding error or it's a write-off. You can blow through $100,000. It's, it's, and for, for, just because, 
It's what you what you <laughs> would have been paying for LaCroix that you don't have to buy because you right. don't have people in the break room anymore. So take that and you get people. And again, it's it's a little bit. Does it change anybody's life? Maybe not, but it's impactful. It's more than it makes it, nothing. And it, it, it could change. More than a difference. Yeah. It makes more of a difference than you could imagine. Right. Especially if you're like, hey, RK, you know, we're going to give you this right now. And we're going to see what we can do. Even if it's just a couple hundred a month, whatever. Like, hey, this is just what we can, you know, this is what we can do. We can't do a lot, but this is what we can do. And that, you know, that little bit, like you said, that little bit make a huge difference for people. Right. Maybe it just, maybe it's another, maybe it's another grocery trip. Maybe it's just, hey, we're going to order out for pizza with the kids tonight. Just a little respite from all the shit that's been going on. Right. It's just a little bit, but it makes a huge difference. And people don't see that. They're so detached from what goes on these people. And it goes back to observability. Right. If you don't have insight into the things that your people are going through as a leadership team, as whether you're a people manager, whether you're the the skip level, right? If you don't have insight into the people, into their struggles, right? Into their, you know, maybe not into their the daily, you know, their their the intricacies of their life, but certainly you know, what their mental health, what their well-being, what their overall, what their all overall, you know, sentiment is, you're fucking up. And the only thing that's going to show you is a lagging indicator when something goes down. That's really where we, where we end that. You're going to see the impact of not doing this, but it's going to be a lagging indicator and you're going to see it a year from now. You're going to see it a year and a half from now and wonder where all your people went. So, you know, here's your chance to get it right. Here's your chance to get it right. Go to ArrestedDevops.com slash Breaking Down Gates for this episode's show notes, which probably will basically just be a link to Cat's Talk from All Day DevOps because, you know, we don't really have any other notes. But if we think of anything, we'll put them in there. Um, if you go to ArrestedDevops.com slash iTunes, you could leave us a review in the iTunes store. Supposedly, that helps people find the show. I don't know. I don't know how computers work. Uh, and we're on Spotify and iHeartRadio if you're into those systems. This was powerful. This was great. And we started talking about Chili. And I really think it actually it got there. Right? Like, I, it wasn't even a gimmick. You know, so Tim, if if people um, want to talk to you more about your non recipe for chili or or other other things, like where can they where can they find you on the internet, like in yeah. a healthy way, not in a stalkery way? Best way is on Twitter at El Chef A. Yeah, just just go there. We can talk about chili. We yeah. can talk about tech. We can talk about inclusion. Uh, we can talk about jujitsu. Just just don't come at me with the with the where are the beans and the jelly jokes. Yeah. The, the, go ahead and make the joke now. Where are the beans? All right, the joke is done. What about the beans and the jujitsu? Is that there's something no. with the, the you know, yeah. I don't know. That's probably yeah. taking us somewhere yeah, else. Yeah. We you don't you, you go. eat some beans, you put a neon belly, man. You're going to be in for a surprise you don't want. Yeah. <laughs> Take that one to the bank. So <laughs> as always, this has been Arrested DevOps. And remember, there is always DevOps. And something about a banana. Stand. Stand banana stand.